Amen. Amen. That's a, a very nice segue into what I think the Lord has allowed John to write in his, um, in his letter. Uh, because I want to talk to you this morning about prayer and how he speaks to the community about it and how it's all kind of interwoven into loving each other as the church and loving the brothers and the sisters. So why don't we just put the, the verse right up there and we'll just launch right into this. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. So, Father, I pray that these words would sink deep into our spirit today and that uh, your words would be my words. We stand before you as your children. In Christ's name, amen. Now again, he is connecting everything that we talked about last week in this verse. He's connecting this idea of how we are, how our spiritual side actually exhibits itself in the external. That we, as we are being transformed, we would love the brothers and the sisters in the church. That there would be this, this love for each other. And not just in word, but in, in action and in truth. And this is how we know we belong to God. This isn't how we know we are being transformed. That we, that we would love each other. And this, this expression of our inward transformation is connected intimately to our prayer life. It's connected in our, into our um, experience of prayer. Now, I've, I've been talking over and over again for so many different weeks that, that our spiritual life cannot just stay hidden inside. That eventually, who we are on the inside is going to show up on the outside. Who you are internally will show itself externally. And so as children of God, there are certain things that are within us that show up on the outside. And this is who we are. We can't go on living a, a double life in the spiritual realm. Because who we truly are will come out. We will be found out. We can't live it in secret. It's just, it's just part of the nature of how we've been made. It's the part of the nature on, on how God has made us. And so if we, are, if we are faking this love for the brothers and sisters, you know, we just want to kind of look good and we kind of we want pats on our back because we're loving in action and we're doing these things, but it's all based in this, this selfishness. Eventually, we're going to get found out. And what, who we really are on the inside is going to come out on the outside. And that affects our prayer life. That is going to affect this intimate relationship we have with God in prayer. And that's what he's tackling in these couple verses. Now, I think that no one here can argue that prayer 
Prayer is a very uh, vital part. It's an important part of our faith journey with God. In, in fact, Jesus knew how important it was, and he, he would teach his disciples how to pray, and he would teach them to continually pray and not give up in prayer. And it was important to him. We see stories of Jesus just going off by himself to pray, to, to get one-on-one with, with his Father. He knew that prayer is life. And, and it is. Prayer, is. prayer gives us life. It's our lifeline to the Lord. And I would say that it's probably the single most overlooked component of our spiritual life than anything else. And it's sad because it's such a life-giving thing. And it really is. It's easy. But yet, there's an enemy that wants to keep us from engaging and entering into it. Because the enemy knows that that is where life is. And so if your prayer journey feels lacking or it feels waning or something just doesn't feel right. Or maybe you feel a little disconnected from the Lord. Take a look at your prayer life. Take a look at it. How important is it really to you? How are you engaging it? I will say this, that everything that you engage is a priority in your life. The things that you do, whether it's a negative or positive thing, you've made it a priority. And if prayer is not an active, constant, consistent part of your life, you have not made it a priority. Simple as that. I'm going to be bold enough to say that we cannot live a healthy spiritual journey in the reality of the Lord without a constant, consistent prayer life. I love to read the Psalms because the Psalms are just gut-wrenching, pouring it out on the, just on the ground in front of the Lord prayer. Things are broken. Things are going bad. My enemy is coming up on me. I'm sick. I'm tired. God, where are you? And then he comes back to You are good and you are holy. It's part of prayer. Even Jesus himself went away to have intimacy with his father in the garden. He says, Father, if there's there's another way we can get this done, I'm in. But not your will be done, but mine. And he knew that he had to go to the father. He understood his complete dependence on who he was and who the father is. He knew that, that there was life there, giving life. That, that, that time of prayer in the garden for Jesus gave him life, even in the midst of him giving his life away. And so verse 19 This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. This is another way of looking at prayer. And it's all written in the context of how we are keeping his commands, how we are loving the brothers and the sisters. And so I want to ask what's what's going to be seemingly a, a dumb question, especially in church world. When we pray, what in the world are we really doing? And I know that like, really, this is this. That's like that's like JV stuff right there. That's not varsity. Uh, and but but it's a good question to ask. It's a good question to to wrestle with. When we come to prayer, what are we really doing when we offer? For our times of prayer, and and I know that many of us take our prayer time lightly, yet we know that it's the the lifeline to the Lord, and it's what gives us life, and and it's how God pours into us as we pour back out of us. What are we really doing? Sometimes we take it way too lightly. Sometimes it becomes very automatic. 
you go, you kind of, kind of, kind of go in the autopilot mode. Well, I got to get up every morning, do my 15 minutes, and then I get my day on. What are we really doing when we pray? I will say this: that if we are taking it lightly, it's a very dangerous thing. Because if you're taking your prayer life lightly, you're taking your relationship with the Lord very lightly. And that's just not good. And, and I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there, and that's free. I'm not going to charge you for that one. And then we have to deal with our habits and our posture of prayer. How many of you have told, been told growing up, make sure you say your prayers? How many of you ever said that to your children, to your friends' children? You need to, you need to say your prayers. We've grown up with this mentality of, of speaking in our times of prayer. And I'm, I'm not saying that's, that's a bad thing. And that's, in fact, that's a very, very good thing. It's an important thing. I, I hope that you felt the sacredness of the time that we had together praying for the things that are happening in our community. But as we speak in our prayer time, it's only one part of prayer. And yes, it's an important part, but there are other parts in it. And, and I believe that if you are only talking in your times with the Lord, then you're missing an even deeper intimacy with him. You're missing something that, that just kind of drives deep into our soul. And so as we talk, as we repeat, and, and believe me, I, I love, I have, um, I keep um, a daily hours. It's, it's a prayer book. And these are, these are times where I focus on the Lord and I recite psalms and scriptures and I recite the, these prayers. And so I, I see the significance in talking but when we're only talking, we're only just kind of vocalizing our desires and our wants, we're missing something. We're missing the depth and the intimacy that God has. Prayer is not supposed to be some psychological pursuit to make sure that if we say things over and over enough that we are going to get them. I remember uh, in, the, in the 70s, I think it was. Um, yeah, that's a long time ago. I heard a little rumble there. That's just not funny. Um, but in the 70s, my parents, they, they, they were in Amway. Don't judge. It was the thing to do. All right. And, and so uh, they, they were in, and it was a very uh, positive mental attitude, self-help type of, of um, I want to say cult, but that's not the word. I'm looking. Um, uh, it, uh, <laughs> community. Uh, no, I'm only kidding. And, and, and so one of the things my father used to make us do is we had to get up every morning and repeat, I'm getting happier, healthier, stronger, wiser, more prosperous, more prosperous. And we have to say that like twice. And then at the end, when we were going to, we didn't have to say prayers. We had at the end of the day, before we got into bed, we would have to say to ourselves out loud, I'm getting happier, healthier, stronger, wiser, and more prosperous. And the idea was if we said it enough, then I would start to believe that I would be getting happier, healthier, stronger, wiser, and more prosperous. Well, the more prosperous never really showed up. Um, The the healthier, well, uh, that kind of ebbs and flows. Um, Wiser... I have grace, so of course the Bible says I'm wise. But, but I mean, but it was trying to, this, this psychological pursuit of repetition just to get the things that I wanted. And, and I'm telling you, that's not prayer. Though we come to the Lord and we bring our, our wants and our desires before him, but it's not, it's not a convincing, if I say this enough, that I'm going to actually believe this. This is the Lord's work. Prayer is always about him, about what he is doing. It's not just that thing we need to do for five minutes before we get out of the house. And, and it's not that thing. And, and forgive me for if, if I'm going to pick on some of you. But it's not just that thing you do on your way to work because you have a 35-minute drive and you turn the radio down and that's when I pray. Because if husband and or wife, if that's the only time you spoke to each other in the car on your way to work, your relationship is on the rocks and you might as well just set the appointment up now. We'll chat. And so it has to be something much deeper than just 
that. Just words. And look what, he, look what the second half of verse 19. And how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. This is another aspect of prayer. That we would come before the Father and set our hearts at rest before him. There's no work involved in rest. There's no trying. There's no trying to produce in rest. That we would set our hearts before the Father in, in rest. That we would come into to his presence. And that he would meet us there. And he is, he will, he will meet you there. See, this is, this is, this is about intimacy. This is about a stillness. This is about the, the audience of one. This is you and God. We come face to face with God, our Father. And we sit, we present our heart, and we rest. And, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, there's no words that, I could, that are adequate for me to describe that experience for you. It's something you have to come to yourself. Now, I think one of the most very important things we have to understand is that you, Christian, child of God, you have been invited by the creator of everything to come and sit with him. Now, let me just kind of push that a little deeper. You, child of God, you can come. You've been invited to sit before your dad in intimacy and stillness. See, the, the monastics that have been long dead for centuries and centuries, they have wrote about this intimacy and this rest with the Lord and how life-giving it really is. But, you know, let, let, let's be real. Um, when we come in, in our humanness, we, come, we, try to, we try to quiet our minds and come and rest, but then the thoughts come in and the honey-do list comes in and, and the things I should be doing, and, and your mind starts to wander, and, and, and it's just easier to talk. It's just easier to have a conversation and then just kind of put that aside and then just go out and, and do what you have to do. But I'm telling you with practice that if you just come, come back and come back to that place of presenting your heart before the Lord in rest, those distractions will begin to wane and to fade. And your words, you will find, will become less and less. And we can come back to the reality of sitting before our dad. And this is the prayer that John is talking about here. That we set our hearts in rest in his presence. Now, if we can bring ourselves there to that quietness and stillness, the Lord will search us. The Spirit of God will search our hearts. And as that experience and that freedom and that letting and that refining is taking place, our prayers become less about describing what we want and what we desire and more, we become more content with just sitting quietly before him. Now, in that rest, in that searching, see, what can happen is that our life starts to come up and things start to come up in our brain and we start to think about things and we start to remember things. And what he speaks about here. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts because he knows everything. And now we have to handle this verse very, very carefully. We have to understand what he's saying. Remember, we can't take it out of context. We have to keep it in the full 
uh, story of Scripture and, and keep it consistent with the Scriptures. Because what he is saying here is that to come before the Lord in rest, there has to be a freedom from condemnation. There has to be a freedom that, that you are not just kind of waiting for God to slap you, punch you, kick you because you have messed up again. The scriptures tell us, and we all know that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, but we still seem to come as these things well up inside us, in our hearts, and we start to remember our life, that, that, that we can be condemned by our own hearts. Now, here's the thing. Prayer, like no other thing, when we come before the Lord, there's no other place or time that, that we begin to understand who we really are the depths of our heart, and the depths of our soul. Yes, we can have discussions with people. We can, have, we can read books. We can understand all of those things. But man, when you get before God one-on-one, -on -one, nothing begins to help you understand who you are as his child or who you are as, as, as just as a person. What's going on on the inside? Not even, not even times of self self-examination or, or meditation, nothing brings us to a clearer sense than to sit before the Lord and rest in who we are. Because that kind of prayer, that kind of prayer, we are no longer in control. We are no longer in control. We, we are in a place of, of submitting or surrendering. We had a great conversation, a brief conversation about the, the men's breakfast. What's the difference? But, but we decided that it, it's, it's a posture of the heart's that we would surrender ourselves. And that's what that kind of prayer is. That you're surrendering your desire. You're, just, you're surrendering your will to God. When we speak in our times of prayer. And again, hear me. I love talking and praying out loud. And praying the Psalms. But when we speak in times of prayer. We are in control of our prayer. When we reflect on certain verses of scripture as prayer. We are in control of our prayer. When we meditate. We are in control. And it's not a bad thing. That's part of our prayer life. It's an important part of our prayer life. But come before the Lord and surrender in submission. Set yourself at rest before the throne of grace. And guess what? He is now in control. He is the one that does the work. He does everything. And he is the one that searches us. And that's why nothing reveals who we are more than sitting before the Lord and setting our hearts at rest in his presence. And so we begin to remember things, right? Things get quiet. You, think, you start to recall life experiences. And when you, when you set yourself there, um, you know, I find that the bad stuff kind of comes up, not the good stuff. And, and so you begin to think of uh, um, the unkind words or the, the harsh words and the fits of anger and that thing that you should have done that you didn't do and the thing that you did do that you shouldn't have done and, and the vow that you broke. And, and, and what can happen is our heart, our heart can begin to condemn us. And then you sit there and you, and you think, man, I, I, you know, I told God I would pray more. I told God I would love more. I told God I would forgive more. I told God I would be in his word more. And, and, now, and, and now I'm just realizing that none of that is taking place. What right do I have to come before the Lord now in prayer? Are you kidding me? And that's why so many people are afraid of quietness. And it's easier just to talk because you don't have to think about those things. You don't have to think about what's really in your heart, what's really in your soul. 
Just keep that down there, packed away in the darkness. Me and God will shoot a few conversations back and forth. We'll really just back at him and he can just listen because he's a great listener. And then I can go on my way and nothing really ever happens. But John says here that if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. You know, becoming aware of our unworthiness or our smallness, it, it, could, be, it could be quite painful. To allow the Lord to bring those things up can be very, very painful. And now this is, where we, this is where it can get complicated because there's actually two very distinct schools of thought that I have found that kind of hash out verse 20. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. So the first school of thought says that this is a very comforting verse, that uh, we can take just great comfort in this, that if your heart brings all that stuff up, you kind of come before the Lord in, in this restful posture, but your heart starts to churn stuff up because you're, you're trying to be quiet before him. Don't worry about it. Just, just don't worry about it. God is bigger than all that stuff. He knows your desires in spite of your failure to walk the path that he's called you to. He knows everything. And so if your heart condemns you, then, then just, just know that God is going to forgive you and, and just don't worry about it. Which, which is true. God, God does forgive. And the other school of thought tells us, that, tells us this, that if our heart brings this stuff up to the surface and makes me aware of my brokenness, makes me aware that I am a sinner, if my heart can see that, then how much more does God see beyond what I can realize? I mean, God knows all things. I don't know all things. I don't even know things, all things about myself. I don't even know all things about my own darkness in my heart. In fact, uh, Psalm 19 says that who can discern their own error? And then it goes on to say, God, please forgive me for my sins that I don't even know I'm committing. Do you realize that you commit sin that you don't even know you're committing? But God sees them. And the psalmist is asking God to forgive those. And so if my heart brings these things to the surface, how much more does God see? Now, I believe that there's a danger in just looking at this as something that's comforting uh, because we can begin to dismiss our own conscience. We can begin to dismiss the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I like to call it cheap grace, you know, that, well, you know, God loves me, so it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter how I engage. But we know that if you are a child of God, then you're going to engage in a certain way. But, but as Christians, as people, we can become very slack in our disciplines of following the Lord, of pressing in and pursuing. We, we can fall. Um, our, it's our human nature just to kind, of, to kind of just give in to the easy road and to wander from the ways of the Lord. And yes, he will gently bring us back. He will call us back. He will give us all opportunities opportunity to come back. But, but in our life, if this is just comforting, we could just say, it really doesn't matter because God is going to forgive me anyway. And there's a danger in that. There's a real danger in that. And see, where, where I come, where I land in this, this discussion, it's that it's the grace of God that allows the heart to bring these things up. It's the grace of God that allows you to remember those things. And yes, as they, as they press to the surface, we can feel condemned. But don't fluff that stuff off. We are to accept it as God's grace. That he is bringing to mind these things. And he wants to refine us. He wants to sanctify us. He wants to, he wants to hone us into the image of his son. And yes, we are not perfect. 
But as his children, we should be hating our sin and thankful that he does bring it up to the surface and let us know. Because it's only by the work of the Holy Spirit that those things will begin to bother you. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in you that your sin rubs against you. And and it's painful and you feel the weights. And once it's there, once it's been brought up to the surface, are you ready for this? Here's the beauty of this verse. Once it's there, you can reassure yourself that you are his child. He has put it there because he wants to draw you into the image of his son and make you like Jesus. And there is no condemnation there. And you can put that aside and just know that those painful moments of quiet prayer is the Lord working in your heart. And then he kind of ties this in. Listen, you can remind yourself you're loving the brothers and the sisters. You want to be with the community of faith. You're, 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 you're loving them in truth and you're loving them in action. And those things only take place when the spirit of the Lord resides within you and is working in you. You can't muster. Look at yourselves. You can't love a gnarly group like this on your own. It's the work of the Lord. It's the work of the spirit in us that allows us to love each other, to come together, to help, to pray for each other. And you can reassure your heart. Yeah, heart, you know what? I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together, but I am God's child. And he has brought this to the surface because he wants me into a deeper union with him. You, have no, you, have, you are no longer part of this world. You have passed from death into life. And the weight of your sin is there because you have passed from death into life. The weight of your sin is there because you are his child. And not only you wouldn't be interested in the church, but your sin would not bother you at all if you had not the work of the Spirit within you. In verse 21, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask. To love the church and action and truth when it's not a manufactured event to engage people from that place of inner transformation is proof that you are God's child. It's proof that you are part of the family and you can come confidently before him in your time of prayer you don't have to uh, again there's there's no condemnation your heart you've put that aside you rested that you've said this is the lord sanctifying me i'm not going to come down on myself because the, the the sin in my life weighs on me because the spirit of the lord is alive and well in me and you can have confidence that you are his child and you can come before him in prayer confidently and it is so important to be confident and bold in our prayer the scripture talks about it over and again and in fact just in hebrews there's a bunch of times chapter four it says that we are to approach the throne of grace with confidence in some translations with with a boldness or chapter 10 we have confidence to enter the most holy place because of the blood of jesus and then it tells us to draw near to god with confidence in yiddish the words chutzpah Come before the Lord boldly because you are his child. You are loved beyond what you can ever imagine. You know, what may feel like condemnation in the heart to the child of God is the work of sanctification of the soul. 
So you, you, what may feel like condemnation in our heart is the work of the Spirit sanctifying the soul. And so you can boldly become, come before the, great, uh, the grace of God. If you're loving the church, it's evidence of your adoption. And we come before the Lord, not as judge, but as dad. God is love, and there is no fear in love. And we can have that confidence. He's a good father, and he's ready to give good things to his children. He's ready to give us exactly what we need. Look what it says, uh, verse 22, and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. Unfortunately, verse 22 is one of those verses that uh, have caused a lot of tension in people's lives because people think that, well, you know, all I have to do is be good, all I have to do is behave, that anything I want I can ask him, and then I'm going to get whatever I want. Well, no. Because if that were true, I would have rode in on my 2014 Harley-Davidson this morning to church. And it would probably be parked right here and I'd be leaning against it looking pretty cool preaching. But what this does say, what it's getting at is this. If you are following the Lord, keeping his commands from the heart, if you're loving on the brothers and the sisters from the heart, then you, and, and you're engaging and living a transformed life, then you are his child. And if you are a child of God, you are being controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. And the more you surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit, the more your prayer will align with God and with his Holy Spirit. Many times our prayers aren't answers because, because they come from a, a selfish place. Well, the, what the Bible calls, calls it flesh. We pray from our flesh. We want what we want when we want it. And we want it right now. But those who are being controlled by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, submitting themselves to the Spirit, the Spirit is transforming them more and more. And what we are praying for becomes very different. The things that we want become very different. And our prayers are answered in a very different way. Christ submitted himself to the Father. He put aside his own rights. He put aside his own comfort. He received the Holy Spirit without measure. And he had that kind of intimacy with the Father. Yes, we could see him speaking prayer. But I wish somebody spied on him those times where he went alone, away into the wilderness and sat before the Lord. What did he do? I believe he was putting, presenting his heart before the Lord rest one-on-one quietness and there's something that takes place deep deep in the soul and so it is with us his children that we would submit ourselves to the lord that we'd put aside our own agenda that we would we would invite and surrender to the holy spirit leading us and you will find the very things that you are praying about are going to change you will find that your heart changes you will find that your words will start to become less and less and you will sit at rest before the lord and it's a glorious time when you can come to that place and know that you don't have to produce anything. You don't have to strive. You don't have to try. You don't have to remember. You just have to show up. And the Lord does the work. And your posture changes. And your heart changes. And you become, uh, there's, there's this, there's a fullness that you will experience. 
that again, I, I just can't put into words because it's that deep sense of the soul. Now, I know it's a little late, but um, I want us to take a few minutes and just sit before the Lord quietly. And I would love to, to finish this morning with a, with a song, if that's okay. Um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. But as they come up, begin to sit before the Lord at rest. Begin to stop striving in your prayer. Receive from the Lord his spirit. When a few minutes of silence is gone, or now, we're going to end with the last song of worship. Now may you go in the confidence that you can come before the throne of grace as beloved child, son, daughter, with the heart that is at rest in front of the God that loves you beyond what you can ever imagine. May God's grace and peace and mercy be with you all. We'll see you next week. Amen.